what is it crack it's your boy Murph, and you're listening to the very first episode of the district dump so this is our brand new podcast it's a weekly podcast we're going to be digging into everything in the irish zeitgeist and beyond pop culture music and anything that hits our timelines really and today i'm joined by none other than mr in the queue dre morgan how are you Good, good, thank you. I'm fe- I'm feeling good. It's it's chilly, it's rainy outside, but you know what? It's it's a little bit sunny as well, so so I'm feeling good. Nice. How are nice. you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um I had a pretty chill weekend. Um I guess before we dive into what we're gonna be talking about this week. So later on the podcast we have Lucinda Graham, a stylist from Belfast, who's now living in London, and ahead of London Fashion Week, we thought it would be a great time to talk to her about the moment that not only the arts and culture are having in Ireland around the world, but how fashion and style is impacting uh, the careers of those people. So she came through for a really good chat. Uh, So if you stay tuned for that, that's going to be shortly after our intro. But yeah, what did you get up to this weekend? Um, It was an interesting one, actually. I went and interviewed uh, Sign Crushes Motorist, the man with 10 aliases and 10 million bloody monthly listeners. Um, His real name's Liam, a lovely, lovely guy. Um, Yeah, basically, if you haven't heard of Sign Crushes Motorist before, uh, you've probably heard some of his music if you have the app TikTok, basically. It specializes in this kind of like Duster-esque slowcore um, music and that was only his second ever gig. I mean, you caught him the other week, didn't you? Do up in Belfast? Yeah, so I think he supported Crywank somewhere before, and then mm. he—that's just an incredible name as well for a band. But yeah, he supported them, and then he played in Belfast. He did a headline show. So yeah, like Dre said, he's a guy from Donegal, I believe, really young, still a teenager, maybe. Um, has around ten different aliases that all are popping off on TikTok, all different types of music, and on streaming platform platforms they're they're doing incredible as music as well so how, how was the show for you it was interesting i mean he was like fantastic way better than i actually thought he was going to be for mm-hmm. for someone who's basically a second ever show i mean i asked him had he really had any performing experience before he said he's done like fears um you know like playing the tin whistle basically that was like the only other time that he's performed in public uh it was great from a performance perspective but i mean we'll get onto it now but uh, obviously his his crowd skews a bit younger and i think like gig etiquette between in a younger crowd is is something that is definitely a subject of contention anyway uh just like, just like, I mean, you brought it up beforehand, before I was even going to the gig deal, you were saying to me about like how people were talking, you know, just in the gig, basically. And I noticed that so, it was so prevalent at the gig to the point where like people had to go in who I knew who knew who were working at the venue and shush people so we could listen to the, listen to the music going on. I mean, why, why is that happening? Yeah. I mean, the nature of his music as well is that it's very intimate kind of headphone type music that for like to put it simply a lot of sad people are listening to so you'd think that people would sort of pay the respect that it's due and and listen into it but i think that you you sort of touched on it there about gig etiquette i think it kind of went out the window and a lot of people didn't weren't raised on a diet of gig etiquette through because of covid so a lot of younger people coming through i mean that's what a lot of people are hypothesizing but um i think all of us maybe lost the run of ourselves as well throughout covid because we just hadn't been able to go to gigs and um we were sort of we didn't have our match fitness really for for going to gigs and knowing uh what what you are and aren't supposed to do i think i think just him as an artist is just a really interesting story though someone who's completely independent no management no label is huge on streaming platforms huge on tiktok 
and is just running this thing independently from Donegal. I think he's he might be living in Belfast. I'm not too sure. He's uh he's just gone. To, he's actually doing computer science in college in Belfast right now. Okay. Um, but yeah, completely independent. He was telling me though, like you know, he was out in Atlanta and LA in the past month, and he's going to New York next week, and then he's got to come back to Belfast and do his computer science degree. You know, so it's uh it's really interesting. I think he's just at that point right now where he doesn't really know what's happening, doesn't really know what's like you know what to do yet. Uh, yeah. I think it's evident what's going to happen because he's doing absolutely fantastic. But yeah, he said like we were talking about independent. You know, why why isn't he? He's being approached by all these labels, and why isn't he taking up on him? He's like, well, why would I? Like, why? What what is a label gonna give me apart from you know taking my music down off TikTok like we've seen with Universal? What yeah. what can a label offer that he's not already able to do himself? Um, and yeah, I think he was just a he was a really interesting guy because he he is still just a teenager basically, and he's still just like trying to figure it out for himself. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great show, and he's a great performer. Yeah, I think I think that's that's really interesting. Just that the the life choices beyond music you know what he wants to do for himself and being thrust into this and you almost don't really have a choice when uh, mm. it goes viral on tiktok you've you've got to you've got to just keep up with it um so that's uh, that's incredible it'd be in, it's really interesting to see where his career goes and how it evolves because i think that that's something that a lot of people have struggled to do is kind of graduate from tiktok into these live stages so that was his, what his second or third show um really excited to follow his career and see see where that goes um what what else have you been up to? You've got a you've had another interview on the go just today. Yeah, literally fresh off the off the black interview. Um, six lakh as people love to love to mispronounce. Uh, yeah, one of one of the biggest interviews I've done anyway. Um, if we're talking numbers, I mean the man is absolutely huge. Like he's just come off of a Grammy nomination, four nominations now. He can't quite get that Grammy, but you know, yeah. I, I'm sure he's going to get there at some point. I mean, he's really critical. Yeah, no, Macklemore at the end of the day, but um, no, he was he was a lovely guy, and we were we were chatting a lot about um, you know, because I was a big Spillage Village fan. He's part of Spillage Village okay. back in the day, alongside yep. with like Jid and uh, Earth Gang and all of them. And um, it was really interesting because I actually, you know, me, I love to do my digging pre-interviews, and I found this video of him uh, rap battling Young Thug when he was in high school. Yes. But yeah. he actually gave context to this. So what he used to do is pull up to like pull up to he you know he would hear like oh young thugs shooting a music video here and he would just basically pull up and just start like rapping at at these artists basically just to try and get some sort of notoriety and get some sort of notice and that is how he ended up getting picked up basically is just like going to places and just rapping at people basically <laughs> god i that's gonna if that encourages a lot more annoying know, corner people in smoking areas then we're we're in for a long couple of years but yeah people have always done that for the longest time you always see those videos of you know kanye getting stopped by someone or j cole getting stopped yeah, by someone yeah. freestyled for them so it's kind of good to see that it works um the odd time for someone i mean it, it happened for kid cuddy i think that's how kid cuddy got picked up as well for yeah. kanye he, he gave kanye some music i thought it was really interesting as well i was talking to to black and he was uh he was in grano last night and oh. um, the the Italian restaurant in Stony Bar, um, which is like such a such a char pick, you know, he's definitely a char follower. Um, but he was saying <laughs> that you know he loves to do his research, basically deep into like every city that he goes to. He really likes to know like the local picks for what's good food and what isn't and stuff. So yeah, and I live just up the road from there. So yeah, he's just down the road having having a nice meal. Thing is as well, the ridic- the thing is as well, he was like, um, usually that place has like a three month waiting list, and he was like. I was like, oh yeah, I've never been because you know it's got such a long wait. And he's like, 
man, just walk in. They'll give you a, they'll give you a chair. I'm like, yeah, I'm not a four times Grammy nominated yeah. artist like you, you know? <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of like uh, Marcus Rashford, like when he was in Belfast, you know, when all the group messages yeah, were yeah. on, on that night out, um, he, he got the whole of the woodworkers bar below Lavery's, which is a whole bar in itself cleared just for him. Uh, yeah. Night. So I mean, we're not ballers or Grammy-nominated people, so I don't really think we can do the same. But yeah, it seems like it's a sick conversation. I'm excited to see that go up on YouTube. Um, And yeah, so this week, uh, just to sort of give a bit of context for the podcast, where every week we're just going to be digging into what's going on in the news and talking to guests. But this week, because of our London Fashion Week, we thought, let's get someone in who knows what they're talking about. Um, So yeah, we got Lucinda Graham in. That is from Belfast, and she's here to talk about Barry Keoghan, Paul Meskel, the impact that their stylists are having on their notoriety, and meme culture. How does meme culture affect people's rise? Um, so yeah, we're digging in right now, and we'll catch you there. Well, what is the crack? Uh, welcome to the show, Lucinda. How are you? I'm the very best, Ellen. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, so we've spoken to you recently, and... We'd done a little chat and we threw it up mm-hmm. in the camp, did really well. And we thought, right, we've got to get a full podcast out of this. Um, <laughs> Milk it. Yeah, like, of course. And just with everything going on uh, in terms of film, music, it's kind of like a golden era at the moment for, for Irish creatives. And mm. given the success on the world stage of Irish art and film, what role do you think that fashion and styling in particular has to play um, for a lot of those those people? I think it's a really funny one and in in danger of sounding quite like almost therapist speech getting into this. There's something so funny about coming from a place where you'll very easily be made fun of for experimenting, for trying something different, right? Like sometimes like the people that are going to rake you the hardest are the people from back home. Do you know what I mean? Like you're going to dress different in a small rural Irish town than in London, right? There's going to be a big difference. But at the same time, I think that that actually makes you hardened to it. And I think when you see those kind of like 18-year-old punk kids who are hanging out at City Hall, like they really know themselves. And so I think when it comes to style and to music and fashion, you look at performers like CMAP, they just have such a unique sense of self. And I think that that comes through because for kind of subculture and music and art and drama and fashion the come up is harder in Ireland you have to work so much harder and you really have to defend your space and I think what that makes and we've we've spoken about this quite a lot is that idea of authenticity and I really feel like that is what people see through the music through the film they see that there's a really and obviously I'm coming from it from like a personal style angle, not to mention design or, you know, high fashion or any of those things. But I really think it's just the authenticity that people latch on to. Um, do you think there's like a, a change in how we view masculinity now and how fashion intertwines with masculinity as well? <laughs> I've been waiting for this one. Yeah, <laughs> it's really, really funny, right? Because, you know, you have like, the daily maleification of the red carpet, you know what I mean? Like the worst best, the best dressed. And for a lot of us, we kind of look at these things as like, oh, this has nothing to do with my everyday life. 
And I always think of, you know, that like Devil Wears Prada quote where she's like, what you don't know is this isn't just lapis, it's actually cerulean. And she gives her the full rundown at why these things that happen at a high fashion level at the kind of upper echelons of being a celebrity, why they bleed down and they actually trickle into the rest of society. I mean, look at the amount of guys, like hetero guys that paint their nails. Like that was just like when I was going to school, that was not a thing. It was only for like the hardcore goths or if you did drag, like genuinely. And those are the only people that were brave enough to do that. But now through this kind of breaking down, and obviously there's huge conversations around like queer baiting of the red carpet and, you know, people pursuing more technically queer styles for hetero bodies. For me, I think clothes are clothes. I think as long as you're paying homage and you recognize who has like opened those doors for you. But I mean, we can't talk about this without talking about Barry Hogan. Like we yeah. just can't. Like, come on, like we literally can't. I mean, it's so funny to me. And that just comes back to, I think, what I was saying earlier, where like you, if you're Irish and you wear something like that, you know, you know for a fact that you're going to get raped. You know, you're going to have yeah. the hand taken out of you. But I love the ballsiness to be like, I'm just going to do it anyway. And it's funny because I promise you, he's worn two or three times now um, this kind of style where he's wearing like a suit vest. It's not mm. a waistcoat. It's more of like a structured suit vest, sleeveless, right? Um, and obviously we'll get into the memes later. But I promise you, that is not going to take a long time for it to trickle down into everything else because all of these things kind of work on a on a larger wavelength and we kind of see obviously the chronically online the memification of all of this and yet it's actually those are real luxury designer pieces that are being pulled from and in a couple of months time you'll see it in Zara so yeah it's one of those things it's interesting you can really see it happen in music with like certain producers and mm. um, where like someone from like say Surf Gang Evil Gianni ended up having songs with like Kendrick and stuff and they have more diluted versions of that style but it becomes mainstream very very quickly and you can yeah. see it with fashion as well mm. and it's interesting when you make the point about masculinity like I really feel that in football where you know you have people like Dominic Calvert-Lewin who is on the front of magazines wearing very like uh well-fitted clothes and he has like a man bun and yeah. it's like you know has probably has his own personal stylist in a way that outside of David Beckham and maybe a few of uh, mm. players in the noughties that just wasn't wasn't a thing and wasn't socially acceptable either but now yeah you have so many football players wearing way more adventurous yeah. clothes as well yeah I did a shoot with uh, Tom Davies last year oh, I mean we had nice. him in he was wearing like Valentino acne he was wearing like the mud jeans like the Kylie mud jeans and this like huge rainbow mohair knitted jumper he was wearing this really beautiful ferragamo suit like this kind of shiny silver suit but it was with like almost like a kilt like a, a man's structured suited kilt and it was stunning and he looked incredible and he just kind of took it all in his stride and it's so interesting seeing those two things at play like ultra mask like lads 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 doing football <laughs> but being like ah yeah Put me in the skirt, no problem. And even yeah. I think of uh, what do you call him? I'm not a massive footy girl, like, but what do you call him? Everybody loses the bap over him, and he's got like the wee hairband. Oh, Jack Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I see it. I see it in real time. I see all these guys in East London scooting about, and they have like those little like Y2K headbands on. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Sure he's got like a Louis Vuitton deal or something. I can't quite I, remember. One I wouldn't of them. be surprised. Yeah, headband deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's almost it's, like inherently like it's almost become a masculine thing to be able to transcend masculinity now. Though it's almost. Mm. A, you know, like Barry Keoghan and players do get rinsed, but it's like in a playful way where it's like they're actually are earning respect, you know? Yeah, although we've been laughing about that because I think within that, that can almost go too far. And me and my uh, housemate actually have a running joke about this where obviously we're in like the depths of award season right now. And every time an award show rolls around, he's like, right, let's get ready for the sheer shirts because it's such a thing <laughs> now that almost to be perceived as being like, I don't care, like, I'll do whatever. The amount of men with the nips out in these like sheer shirts. And I'm like, babes, like, you don't, you don't have to, you can, but mm. just because you can doesn't mean that you should. And it's, I love obviously as a stylist thinking back into the conversations that these people are having with their stylists. And the stylist is like, yeah, yeah, it's so hot right now. Like, you know, like, get your yeah, nips yeah. out. It's going to look so Nipples good. And so they're hot like, right now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so funny how it's done a complete 360, like you just said, like to be seen mm. as being high fashion and above it and like cool, it actually is pushing you deeper into those more quote unquote experimental styles. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting as well when you're talking there about how you know, oh, this is very in trend, but obviously, like you said, like uh, you can pay homage to to artists or other uh, stylists yeah. or other, yeah, acts or actors through your through your style. And I was thinking how in Ireland at the moment, how there's such, uh, I think, like a national pride when it comes to different arts and cultures, and mm. people are paying homage to uh, people that came before them. Do you think that uh, that is like there's a lot of referential stuff going on in Ireland at the moment in a in a way that's sort of showcasing older acts or older um, artists to to a newer audience? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we lost like a couple of really incredible Irish heroes last year. I mean, not to mention Sinead O'Connor and uh, Shane McGowan, just for two off the top of my head. But I think with you know, the Sinead O'Connor movie and with them having passed away, a lot of people are rediscovering their Irish pride through poets and through predecessors. And I mean, there's so many incredible, um, like new wave trad that is coming through. Obviously, Mary Walpers, obviously you've got like Fontaine's. There's so many people that, um, like Lancome, bring such an incredible sense of heritage into what they do and I feel like it's cool to see that almost circle that cycle of people who clearly have reference points of who they were brought up on and the music that they're making and then how that influences their style and then like you said how that kind of bleeds through and I guess I'm really excited to see how all of that plays out and to see how younger people adopt that and the one thing that I've really loved seeing is and I think Ireland has always had this um is a real essence of punk because I mean she and Anne Sinead were like the OGs like to stand up against uh authority in that way to be brave artists um you know like you think about all the slogan tees like the wear a condom recovering catholic irish princess you know like i literally all of these... have that in front of yes. my in front of my face right now recovering right. catholic right there perfect yeah. but like now you know people get to wear like 
t-shirts and it's quirky and it's fun and there's no repercussions but these are people that went through that and I really love seeing especially in Dublin people adopting those avenues of making dress subversive but not just for subversion's sake I think young people in Ireland are very good at making stuff that has a message like whether like when I was in uni like that was like painting a leather trench coat and just like painting a message on the back and I think it's that essence of like DIY and punk is really cool and I'm really glad that we haven't lost that in the I mean this is arguable of course but in like the hyper trend cycle right like mob wife clean girl like (laughs) I'm so sick of it but I'm really glad that like every time north and south and like I've been to so many parts of the Emerald Isle I'm very very lucky to have been with work I'm so glad that there's always a crusty little kid wearing like some hand screen printed shirt and I just I love that so much and it's like never change you know what I mean (laughs) Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, and I think I think you're right. It's it's interesting talking about these trend cycles and how quickly they happen. Mm. Um, what what do you think is fueling those trend cycles? Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously TikTok that is kind of the be all and end all. But I also feel like that the the speed has been there. Uh, TikTok just helped accelerate it because I mean, some designers are showing seven to fourteen different collections a year and so for fast fashion to catch up they have to be almost one ahead of the trend um but what's been really interesting to see is if you even go back maybe like 20 years ago um let's say 30 to be safe you would much more have the designers that would set the precedent right so your Vivian Westwoods your Judy Blames your McQueens they set the precedent and then the trickle down event kind of happened in this really clear linear way but now with TikTok and with the influencer age what you have is that cycle is no longer a straight line it's actually if you can imagine uh like two semicircles put together and it's kind of nobody can quite identify where it's starting and where it's ending because you can look at stuff like diesel and what they're putting on the catwalk which you see um like a Leah's interlude like artists that have that real Y2K style that have been doing that style for a very long time, you now see that being fed back in and being bought from the top and then it's being processed through, but it's already being worn by people. Like it is already out in the world. So to actually navigate trend cycles is where a lot of people are really freaking out right now in the industry because it's so hard to put a finger on it. But I mean, in terms of it speeding up, I think it definitely is just TikTok and like I love TikTok I love it um honestly I can't believe that app is free like I get the best time out of it I get such a kick but also I think if you're coming up and you're maybe 17 in and around that age like I had to load up the family computer to get access to street style Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean showing my age like you know I come from like the dial-up generation like one family computer no laptop so that was my only access to referential style but now everybody has all of it at their fingertips 24 7 and so those trend cycles I think come so much quicker and they adapt and they evolve which is cool and it is exciting to see how people receive visual information and make it their own so there's really beautiful sides of TikTok where people get to express personal style and I find some amazing people that like I reference and I love but 
there's this slightly more um yet insidious side of it where it yeah. is just hardcore consume buy more and buy more but then the good side of that is that tiktok also showcases like the ethical side of it and how to build a small wardrobe so yeah the whole thing is really confusing a lot of swings and roundabouts I just want to ask you about like yeah. Irish in London and using fashion as kind of a you know uh, an anchor point to your to Irish identity whilst being abroad. Do you think do you mm. think that's something that that is becoming more commonplace? People just walking I, about in their Lancashire like, tees looking for their <laughs> yeah 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 basically. Yeah, I mean it is, and it's such a funny like identifier. Or you know, I'll see people wearing like repeal hoodies, or I'll see people wearing um you know loads of like local uh dublin designers with like the knitted scarves and stuff like that and uh yeah it's it's a funny one and you almost feel like you want to go up and introduce yourself to somebody just because <laughs> you have that kind of connection point and i mean i live just down the road from um a class like ross common pub called the old shillelagh um which is fantastic and i've bumped into a lot of friends there who I didn't even know lived in London either and we're both like like Spider-Man meme do you know so what I mean? Irish so uh, Irish yeah yeah I know I know it. right like we're just <laughs> we're everywhere like but um it's a it's a funny one because I was at a party a while ago and um somebody came up to me and was like I was just saying to my friend like your style is like so East London and I was like well babes catch yourself on because I'm not actually just moved here like five months ago so I don't know where you're getting this from <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> gotcha, bitch. But um, I it just micro <laughs> styles for like different burrs. That's metal. Yeah, well, I mean, there definitely is. Well, we've yeah. got Ballymun fashion and Stony Batter fashion here, so I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah right. It always it always boils down. But honestly, I mean, I sound like I'm beating a dead horse here. But for me, like my style has always been DIY and I hope that it never isn't like it's such a treat for me to get to be able to sit down and make my own clothes and I definitely see that through other people that I know within kind of fashion and music and again you overhear their accent in a pub and you just go and introduce yourself and all of them have this incredible I'm, I'm picturing multiple people in my head have a really beautiful ability to just throw stuff together and make it feel really lived in I think mm. there's a certain charm uh with the Irish that I find in London where they do try but it's effortless whereas I mm. think you can you can tell when you're at like a Sunday market and somebody's wearing like the squeaky clean sambas and the perfect cargos and da 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 da. Do you know, it just, it feels like icky to me and it feels a bit like, because it's like you're I clearly trying to assimilate into a trend. Whereas I feel like, and I'm thinking about a very specific group of people who I'm lucky to know within my area, they just all have their own style and look great. Honestly, mm. shout out, shout out to all of them. You know who you are. <laughs> you, you haven't even got to talk about the memes yet. This is the the most important <laughs> thing that I want to talk about. But yes, this is just being able to see it through this lens, like on on a very real level. Mm. If you can have a red carpet moment that can be turned into a meme, it can really skyrocket your status or how yeah. well known you are. Um, to what extent do you think that a lot of Irish stars, like the likes of Barry Coogan, are leaning into this? I honestly, part of me does believe that his stylist made intentional choices with 
quite a lot of that Saltburn press and he's also done that um that like World War Two mm. one that he's in in the minute. Um so he's been kinda on that press tour and obviously like award season. Um but like without sounding a bit like tinfoil hat, like <laughs> I I do believe that like people that work within these agencies, like talent management, they're not dumb. Like they know how they're gonna become a household name. And honestly for us it's through the memes. Um, and so I really wouldn't be surprised if um, choosing more hit or miss styles was very intentional to keep him within the kind of the public consciousness after Saltburn. And again, Barry, if you're listening, we all love you. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just repeating memes. I, I didn't engage with them. Big fan. Love you. Um, I did. But, but, you know, some of the memes that I saw was... <laughs> It's like when he was wearing that wee like it was pure like Diamante, like you know what I mean? Like lesbian empty, mm. the wee like Diamante yeah, yeah. Aaron. And it was like it was like every letter of the LGBTQI plus, like how does he look like every letter? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he does, he does. We like the red and the chains, and all bless his wee heart. And then the other one was, and to be fair to him, he did luck out here because, like, Austin Butler's like what, like five, five four, or no, no, five four, six four, right? Like he, they had kind of placed him for that like World War Two red carpet in between these like two huge actors, and he was wearing this little like kind of white Armani like like vest and like trousers situation and it was like taking your nan out for Sunday roast it was like the <laughs> like the caption on the meme like it, people are so funny but they're so ruthless but I'm I'm genuinely in my tinfoil hat era I do believe that those were intentional choices because obviously after you know getting this wang out in Saltburn they've mm. got to keep it going like they've got to keep this kind of thing going and we see it with Paul Meskell as well I mean the chicken shop deification of celebrities and their kind of virality and it's funny with someone like Paul Meskell because he doesn't need it but he continues to kind of stay alive in our consciousness whether it's from you know uh, the gold chain and all the gold chain memes to you know him wearing like the O'Neill shorts scooting mm. about in London and now you know with Amelia on Chicken Shop Date. It's one of yeah, those where sure. I kind of think with uh, like the shorts and stuff like you know there perhaps there's some intentionality behind a lot of that but like I feel I feel like a lot of these uh, people are getting rinsed online or getting uh, shared a lot online uh, unnecessarily you know that's the kind oh, of thing yeah. they would wear at home anyway. Yeah. But that's why it, it's funny because only people from Ireland or people who have family in Ireland will, will get the difference between what isn't the niche fashion mm. kind of thing. Like the gas shorts are not niche. Like that's like a normal yeah. thing. Like go to the Holy Lands in Belfast, like everybody's wearing them to go down mm. to Spar. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's funny then on that sort of a level. But then you have like, Paul Meskell is never off GQ. He is never off their website. Like at least once a week, there's a new article being refreshed. And it's funny then to see those more like niche parts of our background, our families and our culture, then becoming like the hottest new trend, like 70 mm. short shorts. And you're like, no, that's that's always been there and always will. Yeah. Um, have you got anything else, Dre? Have you, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about? 
Um, not really. No, I think uh, I think it's just interesting how like I don't know. Like it's it's easy to use fashion to kind of shift a public's perspective on you. I think mm. you know, like like post normal people. I don't think Paul Mescal was specifically you know viewed as like a especially like you know fashionable artsy mm. sort of actor. He's definitely like you know he portrayed like your classic like almost yeah. not, almost one dimensional like you know gala jock kind of thing. And I yeah. think it's 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 funny how. You know, and even like Barry Kogan to a certain extent, you know, has always been kind of viewed as this like working class lad. Da, da, da. And it's easy to, you know, use fashion as a vehicle to kind of soften that image and kind of make mm-hmm. it more appealing to to an artsy, artsy community as well. I don't know if you agree with that, Lucinda. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, with these kind of stars and these people, I'm sure, you know, as you go up through labels or through talent agencies, those conversations are very present, you know, about your image and about how you're going to be portrayed. And like something about Barry that I will say is, even though he's, you know, doing his thing on the red carpet and he's trying styles hit and miss, he's giving it a go, big fan. But I've also seen uh, through a lot of his kind of press tour, he's in a wife pleaser in trackies. Like, mm. you know, he is himself. He He clearly has his own uh, realm that he lives within stylistically and the same with Paul Mescal. And I think you can tell with people when they wear things that is them because it reads like obviously as a stylist, the most important thing, even if I don't like somebody's outfit, the most important thing is that they feel comfortable because as soon as somebody doesn't feel like themselves even as an actor it does not read well and you can see it when you're watching like the golden globes when you're watching the oscars you can see these artists in these huge dresses and you're like they just don't they don't look like themselves and so i i do really love in that respect that you know he is still scooting about in his wee o'neill shorts like there's a certain amount of them that is still intrinsically within how they portray themselves yeah I think it's it's a really sad thing if if you allow yourself to become a fully blank canvas without any of your own input because you can just even at fashion week you can just tell like who's been dressed entirely by PR and entirely gifted outfits like I would always I keep coming back to the idea of like the goth kids hanging out at city hall like they might look awful but they know exactly what they're doing and they chose that for a reason and I'm like I love you never changed big fan <laughs> I'd honestly I'd rather that than like somebody scoot about in you know a full Fendi tracksuit and try and pretend like they're brand new like there's absolutely no point in that again authenticity you know yeah Hell I think yeah. that's a really great point to to leave it at thank you so much for coming on to the show and um, pleasure really for having you Absolute pleasure. It was great. Well done. Is there is there anything that you want to uh, plug or shout out before before you leave? Oh, um, oh my gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything. Um, oh yeah, okay, I will do that one. Um, it is quite funny. I changed my social handle. It's always been Lucinda, but I changed it to Lucinda Lohan because I thought it was funny. Um, but now people ha- have started asking me if I am a relation of Lindsay, and I do have to tell I people. Let that rumor, I let that rumor swirl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. I should be doing my own no PR comment. and be no like, comment. yeah, yeah, we speak all the time. Um, but now on invites and on emails, people have started emailing me as Lucinda Lohan. And I, I feel like the joke's gone Brilliant. too far, so yeah. I I can't I can't stop it. But if if listeners of this podcast would like to circulate those rumors, um, be my own PR mill. That's very welcome. But yeah, Lucinda Lohan on um, threads and on Instagram. 
Amazing. Thank you so much. Um, to everybody else who tuned in, we'll see you back this time next week. And peace. Good job, District.